everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 25, Setting the Tone. Recorded September 30th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. This week we're going to talk about the overall attitude of your podcast and how it's up to you to set it and to decide what it is and manage it. And when I say we, I am, of course, talking about myself, Mark Cockrell, and my stalwart co-hosts, Mr. Steve Cherubino of HowToPodcast.biz. Hi, Steve. Hello, Mark. How is it going? So far, so good. And of course, the ever-brilliant Professor Messer of ProfessorMesser.com, Mr. James Messer. Hi, James. Well, you wouldn't think that way if you listened into the pre-show, I guarantee you. (laughs) For those of you not listening to the pre-show, simply listening to the recording, you are indeed missing out. Careful and judicious editing, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Not uh, Mike Smith quality editing, but still. You know, we'll take what we can get. I just noticed I'm very pink today. Are you? I'm not ordinarily pink, but this light. Feeling well? Uh, yeah, I feel fine. It's, uh, you look something adorable. Something has changed. <laughs> you guys have a nice orange hue about you, very human-like, and I'm very, I don't know, cartoon character, very Oopa Loopa-like. <laughs> no, it's not bubble wrap. It's uh, it's high-dollar, super expensive soundproofing equipment, Alvarez, in the chat room. That you can sleep on. That you can sleep on and you can purchase at Walmart. It's awesome. Um, oh, that's one thing I forgot to do on my trip is go to a... Do a late night Walmart run. Well, I'll have to do that next year. We'll get to that. Yeah, you should have gone and, and bought the new iPhone at Walmart at three o'clock in the morning. That would have been perfect. In white mission. Um. So, what did you do this week? Speaking of uh, your trip, Steve. Well, this week I went to Ohio Linux Fest, and uh, basically we've been planning this for months. A lot of listeners of my shows and other related. Sh- those we all you know those guys a lot of those guys usually go to ohio linux fest um every year and they come home and talk about how cool it was and they've been building up the suspense for so long i'm like okay i'm finally gonna go and uh see what it's all about and hang out with everybody that i've never got to meet actually in person but have known for years now over the internet and uh so that's what i did this last weekend um and it was a blast it was a blast meeting people in real life uh i highly suggest you do it once you actually start to get a lot of friends on the internet. Meet up in real life every once in a while and uh, just hang out. Uh, we got to hear some great talks at the Ohio Linux Fest. Learned a little about Linux and different Linux-related things. Then we just got to hang out with everybody between the talks and at night and go out and get a little too drunk and close down a couple bars per night and get kicked out of others and you know do the stuff that uh, you probably should only do maybe once a year these days. Yeah, but see, the thing about that, the getting together with, with your tribe, as they call it, and, and going to the bars, you could do that at a Mary Kay convention. It doesn't have to be a Linux Fest. Just find a reason to get together. Right. Yeah, the Linux Fest was the perfect platform, and uh, it just it allowed us to all have a place where we could say, yeah, we're having a Podnuts party, but it was basically the Ohio Linux Fest going on. And, uh, Door-to-door Geek did a, a great seminar. He actually did a talk there on... Um, how to what to do after you install Linux? It was called "I've just installed Linux. Now what do I do?" And Jonathan Nado did a speech for the Accessible Computing Foundation, and uh, that was fantastic as well. So it was cool seeing people we know, you know, friends of ours doing talks at the fest as well. So 
Uh, it's a great, it was a great time. I'm really happy I went. I, and I recommend go to a Linux Fest. Go to the Ohio Linux Fest. Go to the Northeast Linux Fest. And uh, they're, they're really fun, even if you're not in the Linux. And, of course, the answer to what do you do after you install Linux is start torrenting, of course. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Ooh, somebody echoed back on me there. Okay. So, James, did you purchase new equipment this week like you said you were going to? I, I finally did, actually. Finally got that. Well, Because we've only been talking, I don't know what, six months about my USB interface into my computer. So I ended up getting the PreSonus AudioBox 22 VSL because that's all I need is a couple of inputs and a couple of outputs. And that certainly fits the bill um, and, and use that. It's a, a USB 2.0 uh, audio interface. And... Um, and that's what I'm using right now. Hopefully, that's what Skype is using. I believe it is. Um, that to bring this in, it really worked out well. Plugged right in. Software loaded fine. Haven't had any glitches with it. Haven't had to reset it. Haven't had to change anything. You plug it in and it goes. And so far, it's worked out extremely well. Uh, the audio that I am hearing whenever I now use things on my computer is a better than it was before. The, the clearly the analog to digital is better than the $29 Griffin iMic that I was using previously. So we went from, from a, a very low end audio to digital and back conversion process to something that was really designed for, uh, for at least semi-professional use. Um, and it worked out very, very nicely. So Steve's recommendations really worked out well. And what did you pay for that box? That retails for $199. Okay, so a couple hundred bucks. You went, So you went from $20 to $200. I a did. A tenfold increase in, in price. Was it a tenfold increase in pro, uh, quality? It's to some degree, yes. Um, you know, one of the most important things I do is, is recording the audio that I'm going to use for my videos. And normally all that audio goes into my camera and that is my primary source. But there are times when I am on a live stream where I don't have that luxury. It's going into my computer. So it needs to be the highest quality possible. And for things like this, for things like Skype, that's also going in and I'm using it for that as well. So uh, it's, it's uh, extremely capable with its connections as well because it has the option for XLR on the input and quarter inch jacks on the output. And if for those of you that aren't watching live, the, the Griffin iMic I'm holding up has tiny itty bitty little one eighth inch connections on the side of it, which um, undoubtedly when I'm moving things around on my desk pop out and create problems for me. So this is a much more stable and much more capable audio solution. Have you played with the Studio One software yet? I haven't. I, I don't do much with just audio recording in general. I popped it up so I could have a look at what it looked like, make sure it was something that that uh, that I could work with. You know, there we go. It's it's very basic, very straightforward in how it operates. Um, I did record some um, some uh, audio this afternoon when I was shooting some video that sounded fantastic. And I haven't even decided yet if I'm going to use that audio for my videos or use the audio that went into my camera. But it's it was uh, it all loaded up perfectly and ran. The only problem, because I think everyone should have a problem with something they buy. My problem is that on the front of the audio box 22 VSL is this power button. 
Looks like a cue ball. See it. There we go. It's uh, there's a power button on the far power power light on the front of it. Just a just a, a light that tells you it's powered on, and it gets power from the USB bus. So you don't have to have a separate power source for this. That was another reason I chose this one over the 44, which is four inputs and four outputs. But the little power light is made by I th I think the same thing they use for lasers. <laughs> It is that this is that bright blue LED. You've probably seen it on other devices. And I'm in a studio that has uh, a behind me is is a little bit of a set, but in front of me is all draperies. It's very dark in here. Um, and when this thing is on, it's blinding to my eyes. Bounces <laughs> off my glasses. Um, it's bright. Now they include with, with the audio box what I'm sure must be little plastic feet that are supposed to go on the bottom but now I'm realizing oh that's what you're supposed to use to cover up the light <laughs> that designates the power I literally have a, uh, uh, a, a, a piece of electrical tape across the power connection how stupid is that PreSonus get with the program I don't need to see if this device is powered on or not when I'm downfield somewhere when I'm on the other side of the airport, that's not necessary. Uh, I that's just a feature on the box. 24 bits uh, audio uh, analog to digital conversion and the brightest light west of the Pega. You could actually land aircraft by it. That's on the box if you read it. I, I used to have cataracts. No more. <laughs> that's awesome. I wonder if you could get a hair removal from that using that light as well. Let's try. Next week, we'll we'll try and see what we can come up with. That. It really is annoying that it is that bright, completely unnecessary. I'm sure they did it because it looked cool, but it's sitting on my desk. It's not in a rack with a bunch of other stuff. So we'll see how this goes. I'm just wondering where James is going to get the hair to test the hair removal. Oh, I got children. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, kids. And you didn't necessarily care if they had children, so the radiation shouldn't be a problem. My job's done. <laughs> That's cool, James. Good job. Speaking of kids, today is my youngest daughter's uh, birthday. She's four years old today. And uh, um, just in, in to a glimpse into the mind of a four-year-old, we gave her carte blanche. She could choose anywhere the family had lunch today, anywhere we wanted to go. Oh. You name it. And uh, so you would, you would expect maybe Chuck E. Cheese, right? Something like right. that. Is that yeah? Or or maybe even you know some fan. No, no. The place she tried to go and that I tried to talk her out of, but she wouldn't have it. Was Taco Bell. <laughs> Very nice. So we went to Taco Bell. She had two cheesy roll ups and a Baja Blast Mountain Dew, and that was her uh, her birthday meal, and she was super happy about it. Go figure. Oh, you, you saved a lot of money with that one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, I, I was trying to talk her into going to other some other place, and I, I literally st stopped myself. What are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, the family of five ate for twenty three dollars. I should have uh, I should have <laughs> been trying to talk her into Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's that's a big deal when you're four, and and we don't <laughs> eat out a lot, so uh, it was a real treat for her. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and so there you go. You just heard uh, part of the tone of this show, what we call the warm-up section, personal stories about our lives. And uh, in fact, for, it's... Foreplay, for if you will. For, ooh, yeah. Uh, th it's, in fact, one of the things that I get some of the most uh, passionate 
feedback about. Uh, some people absolutely hate it and say, just get to the information, get to the tech, get to the the topic at hand. We don't care about Taco Bell and Ohio Linux Fest. We don't. And then other people say, you know, we love it. It's the best thing ever. Um, and I actually uh, uh, was reading through um, some listener feedback uh, today, and, and there were about five or six emails that either directly or indirectly uh, mentioned that topic. And so I thought, you know, that'll be a good thing to talk about on this show. It's something that's that obviously the listeners uh, have an opinion on. So I thought I'd talk about what is the overall tone of the show. We've talked about uh, audio quality, and we've talked about uh, setting up a website, and we've talked about all this, but we've never talked about what kind of show you should do, and, and how do you make that decision. So that's what we're going to talk about today, setting the tone. Sounds good. Um, so the first thing is, you know, um, are you going to try to be uber professional or super casual or somewhere in between? Uh, so if you're, um, you know, James in his uh, uh, network security videos isn't going to tell stories about bacon, right? It's a, it's a professional publication. Uh, whereas uh, Steve on his Android App Addicts show, um, sometimes you'll be 15 or 20 minutes in before you hit an Android app. And that's okay. That's the tone of the show. So it, it, it's one of those decisions. And I don't necessarily, I often say you have to, to have these things in your head and know what you're going to do before you get started. I think this is not a case where it's like that. You kind of, you have to be willing to let a show grow in the way that the show grows. What do you guys think about that, Steve? I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. Uh, you're right. In, Android, in my show, Android App Addicts, sometimes it is 15 minutes before we get into the meat. And, I, and if I was just thinking blindly and like instructing a class on like how to do a podcast, I'd probably say that that's a bad idea. I mean, people only have a certain a limited amount of time in their life. They tune into a show about Android apps to hear Android apps. Or they tune into a show about cooking and they want to know how to cook something. But it can, it doesn't always have to be that way. For example, we never meant in Android App Addicts for us to just have 15 minutes of pre-show before we get into an app. We just are four guys that sit around and talk and have a lot of fun talking to each other. And when, when, as soon as I'm done introducing everybody and they say their little spiel, we start talking about apps. And, and sometimes it's long and sometimes it's short. We actually put no attention on it. Um, it just kind of happens. And as it turns out, just from some feedback we're getting and just the, f the feeling I get inside, most people tune into Android App Addicts to hear both apps and also the personalities of the show. And that's just the feedback I'm getting. So it's okay that we do that. If, people, if I got an email or two or three every show we did and said, would you guys just get to the apps? Then I would know that something's wrong. Either we're not, in we're not interesting enough um, or people, or they just, that's the, the, the target audience wants to just get to the meat of the show. Uh, when I was doing Podnuts Daily, my computer repair podcast, I would just, no introduction. I would say, hi, hi, this is Podnuts Daily, episode number 341. Here's what I did in my computer repair shop today. Boom. Under like 30 seconds, I'm already talking about the goods. But that was a one-man show, and that was just me. So I really think uh, it, it depends on how the show evolves, whether how, how much you should put in and how much you shouldn't and the feedback you're getting from your audience. And if your listeners are just going down and tanking and you're getting emails every day saying, just get to the meat of the matter and then, then 
you might have to just change something up. But like you said, Mark, in the beginning, for the most part, it just whatever, you know, how you put it is pretty much spot on. Yeah, James, do you have a comment? I do. I, I approach this um, when I'm trying to build out a new show or a new event to how I want the tone to be. In my training videos, um, I'm dealing with YouTube. I'm dealing with a, a very short period of attention that I will get from people. And so what I usually end up doing is not having any type of introduction whatsoever. There's literally a three second title page. Boom. I'm already telling you about content. I'm not even telling you what you're going to learn in this eight minute video. Um, I, I don't even do that type of thing because usually you're told, oh, when you're going to present something, you need to first tell people what you're going to tell them. You tell them what you're actually going to tell them. And then you afterwards, you summarize what you just told them. Um, and and that is really the old style of doing things. The internet's a completely different medium. You have a different approach. And so for those videos, there's nothing. You can watch those videos. In fact, I got an email today where a guy said, holy smokes, I watched six videos. I had no idea your, your face was even on the screen up there in the corner. I just never saw it until like the sixth video. Um, they aren't looking for me. They don't care what I had for breakfast. They don't care so much about the new PreSonus AudioBox 22 VSL. They don't they don't really care that much about the experience because they're there for an exact reason, uh, which is why we do this podcast. So we can do that type of thing and set that tone. But I do a monthly study group that is more casual where I have put in interactive Q&A where I'll put up a pop quiz and people can vote on that pop quiz on their mobile device and live you can see people voting on it. It shows things on the screen and it sets more of a tone of interactive. I've also talked about getting the Skype dial-in, which finally I've gotten so that we can have more of a casual conversation with people. And I have plans for other podcasts and other live streaming events that I would like to do that would be completely casual talking about certain topics. So I think it really does depend on your approach. And it, you have to put yourself in the person's shoes who's listening to this. What are they wanting to get out of this? And what tone should you set to make that experience as good as possible for them? Yeah, I think Steve uh, said that well. Also, uh, poll your audience, get, get a feel for it. Now, understand that on average, uh, for every person who says something, there are 10 people who aren't saying anything. So if you have, um, and also the negatives are more likely to bubble to the top than the positives. Uh, so keeping those two things in mind, if you do see, for example, your your numbers dropping dramatically in, in subscriptions or just not going anywhere, then then what what you're doing isn't appealing to people, right? So it's, uh, um, th that means you can, and you have a choice there. You can keep doing what you're doing because you want to do it, or you can change what you're doing to get audience. Um, and, and that's either one of those is a perfectly okay show, uh, a choice. If you want to do a show for yourself and for the five guys who listen regularly and, and you have a blast doing it and you never get more than a handful of listeners, that's fine. Um, if you're trying to build a business and you need tens of thousands of listeners then you need to sort of pander to them a little bit. It, it all depends on what you want to do. Uh, but uh, I think uh, for me, uh, there is a certain tone that I've set across all of my shows that are uh, uh, based on my personality and the the goal of my company. I think it's important that every company have um, 
uh, a star by which they sail. You know, not necessarily a mission statement. I know uh, James hates that uh, uh, corporate uh, phrase, uh, uh. mission statement. But you have to have something. You have to, you have to say this is the direction I'm going, and this is the the way I'm going to get there. And you have to stick to those guns. And and for my stuff, it's always been entertainment first, education second. We are not. Uh, this show is about bringing you information, but it's about entertaining you first. The first thing. I want to happen is for you to spend an hour enjoying your time listening to the show. The second thing I want to happen is for you to learn something. And if I have to subjugate the second to accentuate the first, I'm fine with that. If I have to if I have to dumb something down to make it funny, I will do that because it's more important that it be funny than it be entirely uh, educational. James's uh, you know stuff is totally the other way around. He wants you to learn. And if you enjoy it, that's a benefit. You know, it's a it's a nice fringe benefit if you enjoy it. But the idea is that you learn first. Would you agree with that, James? I would agree completely with that. It's it's one of those situations where um, it has to be approached and it has to be even changed as time goes on. When I started doing these a number of years ago, I started with what I thought would be good. And I changed the format and tweaked it little by little by little through the years to what it is today. And of course, as time goes on, it'll get tweaked even more uh, in the future. And it's, it's the feedback I get from people that, that gives me the direction on what I should be doing. And I would, um, those of you who know me and have listened to other shows know I, I am a passionate advocate of public education. And unfortunately, I think that mindset has uh, taken hold in, in education uh, to the point where uh, learning is secondary, educa- uh, entertainment, and enjoying the process is not even on the list anymore. And so we have we have made learning a drudgery um, to the point where you think of learning as a negative connotation in general. Right. Right. Uh, and I think that I hope that in my way I can sort of help to reverse that trend that learning can be fun and should be fun. In fact, you learn better when you're having fun. Yeah, totally. In fact, we might do an experiment. I think we should do an experiment. We just we just do a pre-show and a warm-up, and we just never get to any information, and we see if we could just entertain all show. <laughs> well, that's that was the two shows we did with Mike Smith, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there that was a lot of entertainment in there, definitely, yeah, and it was like it's such a it's splattering of good information, but no real structure, I guess. And, and actually, I love that way of doing things. It's like yeah. you're laughing, you're having a good time, and oh, holy crap, I just learned something. I didn't even know it. All right. And before I knew it, I learned something. Uh, and that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Or as uh, some of the guys in the chat room reporting, uh, pointing out, the periodic table this is one of the shows on the network. That's exactly that. If you <laughs> learn something from that show, it was an accident. <laughs> You are not supposed to learn from that show, but you are supposed to laugh for a good solid hour. <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's neither entertaining nor educational. And, <laughs> you know, that's when you just play the sad trombone wah, 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 and move on. We can do that on Google Hangout now, by the way. Oh, good. Good. There, there is a sad tr- trombone uh, add-on. Uh, but aside from the, uh, the content of the show yourself, which, of course, you as the host... Uh, have a great deal of control on you get to pick your co-hosts uh you know you you decide who to call up right you you get to decide who's on the show and to a large degree uh you as the host drive the show i drive this show 
you know, I, I drive the, the conversation. I ask you guys questions. I interrupt you when I see fit. Um, you know, so, sometimes more than, than people think I should. I get some feedback about that. But hey, it's my show. Deal with it. No. Uh, um, but what about your community? And there's a, there's a different thing altogether. Um, if you're doing this right, your show is more than a show. It's a community. You have um, uh, a forum out there. You have uh, an email. You have something, either something you set up or something that grew up around itself. And now here's an interesting question. How much control should you exert over your community? Um, some people like to be very hands-off, and it's you know, almost to the point where they can have plausible deniability. You know, I didn't know that was going on out there. I, you know, the forum's up on my website, but I don't really pay any attention to it. I have a terms of service and what they do, they do. You know, that's sort of what uh, 4chan does, right? It's, it's just out there and what my community does is what they do and I'm not responsible for it. Um, but, you know, and then there are others that are super tightly controlled uh, where the message is the message. And, and I'm going to assume, I don't, I don't really know for sure, James, but I'm going to assume your community is like that. You tightly control the experience because you need to have a certain message. Is that a, is that an appropriate assumption? I, I wouldn't say tightly. And, and it is a challenge. It is a question that comes up for any size organization. I used to work for a relatively large uh, independent software company in Silicon Valley. And we began building an online community really very early on in the, the, in the world of the internet. And this question came up is what if somebody posts something onto this open forum that all of our customers will be looking at and we don't like what people say. Uh, what do we do with that? Do we delete it? Do we keep it there? Um, do, we, do we highlight it? Do we comment on it? Do we not comment on it? What do we do? Um, and everybody has a different plan of attack. I rarely, rarely delete anything from my permanent online forums. Forums are something that stay around for a long period of time, and it's one of the primary methods for people to communicate back and forth on my website. And unless it's somebody who's doing spamming, that's an obvious one, come come buy this thing and come get this thing, and that doesn't happen very often. But if it does, I'll delete those. But but generally, I don't change anything relating to that. And and I'm I'm a little bit different than most places because I don't have a million people at the same time looking at my website and my content. So a lot of the things that people have to deal with in very large environments, I don't have to deal with. I have about eight, over 800 YouTube videos on my channel. And uh, for those of us that think about the comments you see on YouTube videos, I don't get those kinds of comments because the people watching my videos tend to be people who are trying to solve a problem, trying to learn something about a topic, and they tend to be a little more professional in that manner. So I don't have to deal with a lot of the nonsense that you see with comments on other videos. So I'm lucky that the tone that is set or the control I set over the, the message and, and the, the product that I'm putting out there is one that... I don't have to, to do a lot of, I don't have to exert a lot of control over. But I, I will tell you, if, if it was bad, I would, we'll use the term, tightly, tightly control it. I would delete that in a second. And there are people that are on my live chat at the bottom of my website 24-7. Sometimes I'm there to delete inappropriate things. Uh, sometimes I'm not there to delete the inappropriate things. But if they do, I have no problem flagging it and deleting it immediately, locking someone out because there's a certain type of people I don't want in there creating problems for everyone else. I'm fortunate in that I've never had to deal with that problem, largely because my community 
doesn't commute. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of uh, traffic in the forums or in the chat room, but uh, I have to to think, I, I assume that there are times when I would happily wield the heavy band hammer. Uh, and, you know, and that is if, if somebody is being abusive or insulting or uh, just downright mean, I don't tolerate meanness of any kind or spamming. You know, I'm going to delete you. I'm going to bounce you. I'm going to ban you. I'm going to make all sorts of evil things befall upon you if you do that. <laughs> but if you're just saying something I disagree with in a way with which I disapprove, um, you know, I'm going to let that go because not everything has to meet my approval, but it does have to meet my standards. You know, there's a difference there. Steve, you have a yeah. comment? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like that too. And, and I think it goes back to your mission statement or your purpose for your site or whatever you want to call it. Um, I try to see if what's going on in the community aligns with what I, my purpose for having this site. And if things are happening and comments are being made that are constructed in that direction, then you know it's fine. Even like you said, it, it doesn't. They don't necessarily have to agree with me. I, I'm. I don't care about that. But is it is it helpful? Or is it or is it harmful? Is basically my, you know, judge the way I judge things. Is this just destructive? Is somebody out there purposely trying to just ruffle some feathers or cause a problem? Because there are people like that in the world that just want to cause mayhem or just want to knock people down and sometimes they're very sneaky about it there's undertones where it seems like they're being constructive but their whole intent is destruction so i'm getting i'm getting pretty good at spotting that and so i could just kind of nip it in the bud um but i and i i do have an early on in pod i really was had this whole mindset of i'm just going to shoot first and worry about it later so if i felt like somebody was doing something bad in the forums and it was obvious to me they were they were banned but not not kicked not given a warning just boop gone you lost your chance basically because i just didn't want to to deal with it and most of the time it's worked out for me but if if you have good judgment it will but yeah that's that's the way i kind of judge whether to to delete something or not or kick somebody or not uh okay i I think that uh, that covers everything it's it's something like uh like your shows your community will take on a personality of its own um, and you have to allow that to happen. You have to let it grow, but also understand that whether you're there or not, everything that happens there reflects on you. And so you can't let something go that reflects badly on you because that is the same as you approving of it. Um, now, if you, you know, if there's a, th- a thread going on and you just pipe up and say, you know, like, I don't really agree with this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to shut it down. But I just want to get out there and be on record that I, I don't agree with what's going on here. You know, that's I consider that uh, an appropriate managerial style. You you don't have to shut them down to let people know that it doesn't meet your approval. Yeah, agreed. All right. So, um, anything else on that before I move on to the next topic? Nope, we're good there. Okay. Uh, what about the uh, the show itself? One of the things that. Um, bothers me to no end and it's just uh let let me just give my little one-man treatise on cursing um i i listen to a lot of podcasts often by younger people but not always uh where where cursing is the language of the day uh and i am thank you thank you james for i'm setting the tone tom fully there um (laughs) homie uh 
I am a student of and passionate about language. Um, I, I speak a couple of languages. I, I, I have studied communication. I was a communications major in college. It's something that, that is important to me, uh, to, to communicate well and to assist others in communicating. Well, there, there's something fascinating about language. I am taking a thought from my brain and mapping it onto your brain using nothing but a series of clicks and, and, and moans and sounds. And that's kind of cool. And I know not everybody geeks about, out about it the way I do. But for me personally, swearing, cursing is the lowest form of, of language. It's there. There. It's so. It's the the F word might as well be the word Smurf in the Smurfs movies, right? It fits everything in every sentence. It can be a verb. It can be a noun. It can be an adjective. It doesn't matter. Just throw the F word in there. It does, just throw it. Just salt it around. Throw it around like salt and pepper. Uh, and it bothers me because it's a. Uh, uh, it's it's so pointless and crass. And so, the, the, you know, the, one of the reasons that we don't do that on on any of the shows I'm on, and I don't allow it, is just because I think it's stupid. Uh, but a lot of times you have uh, that mindset of this is the internet, I can do what I want. And it's, that's true. At this point in no country, uh, no free country anyway, uh, in totalitarian countries, that's not, the, that's not the case. But in no free country are there regulations against what you can say in a podcast. In the U.S. there isn't. And, 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 and you know, as long as it meets the, the legal codes, as long as it's not slander or libel, you're directly attacking somebody, you can swear all you want. You can, you can say what you want. It's not like, like here in the U.S. on broadcast television uh, and radio, there are very strict federal communication guidelines that you have to follow. And, and if you let the F-bomb fly, you're going to pay a chunk of money for it. That's not the case on the Internet. So I see people um, take advantage of that excessively. I'm not going to say you shouldn't do that. If that's who you are, if that's what you do, that's fine. Uh, but that's not me. And I think that you need to um, examine the tone of, of your show, right? If, if, it's, if it's going to be that cheap, uh, is it worth doing? That's, that's my uh, 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 thinking about it. So on this show, we don't curse, except every now and then, something you might, you know, hear on primetime television, nothing worse. And usually just because it's expedient for the joke, uh, you know, being a, 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 I try not to bring my personal beliefs into, into shows often, but you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian man and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a family man. Uh, and I try never to do anything that I wouldn't want my pastor at my church to hear. Uh, that's, you know, that's my goal. And that doesn't mean I can't, uh, you know, for example, on the, on the previously mentioned periodic table show, we talk about some things of a very adult nature uh, and sometimes uh, with graphic detail, but you can do that and not be dirty about it. In fact, that's what makes it funny sometimes is finding ways to do it to get the message across in a clean way. So that's, you know, that's the way I do it. What do you guys think about that? We'll start with you, James. My personal opinion with language is I don't really care about language or what you say or how you say it. I have no predispositions for any particular words that I that you may want to say or that I may want to say. Kirsten's great with me. Uh, I don't care. Now, on my podcasts, on my training videos, it's a different demeanor. It's a professional environment. It's one where 
the certain type of language is is expected just as if you're in a place of business if you are after work you're at a at a bar you're talking with your friends you're at a game there's a different type of language that's more appropriate and i don't personally have any particular barriers when it comes to either hearing or saying particular words um i like to listen to adult radio like the satellite radio which does not have any type of traditional broadcast radio restrictions and some of the shows on there use all kinds of language i don't care um that, but that's just my style it's just my demeanor that's my personality um but for my approach as professor messer and the product that i create we always have to keep in mind that whatever we do and whatever we say gets recorded forever on these things this whole internet thing uh, I'm I'm taking a stab out here isn't going away anytime soon and when you create a product or content or you say something or do something it's out there for a very 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 long period of time and we have a responsibility to make sure that what the product that we're creating is one that will be valuable for the people listening to it and it will be valuable to keep whatever the the objective is of your organization going in the right direction Steve what are your thoughts yeah, it, it it's all it all goes back to again. What is what's the purpose of your network or your podcast? Why did you start it, and what kind of tone do you want to set? When I started Podnuts, it was it was mainly about education. I wanted people to get tips on how to fix computers, and swearing didn't fit into that. Because here's why, in my opinion, I wanted everybody to be able to get this information from like you know, a kid up to a senior citizen. I mean, this was for this was information for everybody. First of all, when you do swear, you're not allowed to be on some podcast um, directories without actually putting an explicit tag uh, labeled on your show. So that might knock out some of your listeners. I didn't want that to happen. Um, I also thought the tone should just be more pleasant than uh, than resorting to that. It should, it, then that's just the kind of tone I wanted to set for my show. When I'm off the air, I do curse, <laughs> but it's just... It, when I do my shows, I want it to be, I guess, a more family-friendly type of atmosphere. And I mean, I don't go around dropping F-bombs all day long. That's not what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I just want it to be more pleasant type of atmosphere. And just that's, that's what I wanted to try to create, just family-friendly. And this is for everybody. I don't want to offend anyone because I want them to get the information, not because of, of any real strong beliefs. I just want the information to go to everybody. And, and you have uh, to also more keep it think about on on iTunes for instance you get a category you get a tag on your podcast if there's adult language that's a completely different group of people now that that may or may not be able to listen to your content exactly do any of your podcasts Steve have a, a, a that adult tag that explicit language tag or, or even mark no none of mine and and you know I do it I, I wanted it that way yep. so when people do were cursing on my show or, or thought asked me if they could I would just say, nah, just why don't you not do that? And it's been working out. It's it, it actually worked out the way I wanted it. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make. I, I, not only do I uh, uh, not behave in that, but because I don't, anybody who's listened to my show knows the 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 turn the tone that I set. Um, and uh, I've never had to. Nobody's ever asked me that question. I've never had to stop somebody. Uh, in the middle of the show, I've never invited somebody on who was, you know, uh, cursing like a sailor. It's never been an issue for a couple of reasons. One, I often invite on professionals who are uh, pitching a product 
and you know and they they wouldn't do that they're on company time uh or professionals who are uh you know um in, in the field of education or in this case you guys are professionals in the field of podcasting uh and you're going to represent yourself uh in a, a, a particular way uh, but also people who've ever listened to the show, uh, guests who come from the audience um, uh, or co-hosts who've come from the audience uh, know the kind of show I run. And, and you know, Steve, you, you know, I've never heard you uh, use blue language because I've only ever talked to you on a podcast. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't know that about you. Uh, and it's just it's never come up. And I think if you set the tone right, you don't ever have to you don't have to lay down the law. You don't have to make a speech. You uh, are a lighthouse. Uh, for your audience and the way you behave is, is the way they will behave because you will attract people who uh, who like the tone that you set and and you know and that's uh, as much as I uh, as uh, I've I've said it a thousand times I'm a terrible marketer um, I'm not good at uh, at uh, bringing people in and 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 spreading the word and that sort of thing I've have often told people if you don't like it this isn't the show for you and I'm okay with that. Go find another show that will meet your needs. Uh, I don't. I don't want you here if you don't want to be here, and you don't want to be here. We're wasting each other's time. So go and find another show that that meets your needs. I'm not going to have any hard feelings. You're going to be happier about it, and everybody wins. So you know that's terrible marketing, right? You should you should always no, be telling no, everybody no, I, to come to you, but that's no. not the way I do it. I actually don't think that that's bad marketing, to be honest. Um, that's actually I think I'm clipping here. Sorry about that. Um, I think that that's fine the way you do that. I don't think that, that affects your marketing anyway. You don't want those people here that aren't, aren't going to enjoy your show. So right. even though you say you're a bad marketer, I don't think that that is a factor. Right. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it's something I'm going to get into in just a, a little bit about how you uh, present yourself. Uh, but I think um, if you're doing um, a podcast that revolves heavily around certain professions like maybe the military professions for example you know there there's you know the the military mouth right that it's kind of uh, almost endemic to that line of work that you're going to use certain language then maybe it's appropriate you might even not have credibility among certain audiences if you don't use certain language right you know if you're trying to be a hardcore gangster rapper um, and if you're going to try to appeal to that obs, uh, audience uh, you're going to have to speak their language Right. And and that's that's fine. There's totally nothing wrong with that, and that's the wonderful thing about this uh, largely free internet is that you can do what you want, and you can find people who appeal to you, and your audience can can move around and find things that that suit them, and it's great. And so when you find your message that fits your style that you can deliver well, and when the audience finds a show that that fits them, everybody wins. And so that's what you want. You want a situation where everybody wins. I agree. Anything else? With what you, with what you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think about, like, sometimes, like, a show could... I think about, I always think about, like, a Howard Stern type of show. Now, that would be appropriate for whatever kind of language you want to use. You know what I mean? And I never wanted to do that, appeal to that kind of show. And um, a lot of my shows had the potential of going in that direction. <laughs> But if you just uh, you know pull the reins in and keep it how you want and just hold the line, um, you can just you know drive your network in the direction you want. So, yeah, and that's why I called this show what I did: setting the tone. If you, as the host, as the the creator of your content, set the tone, 
people will follow it. You don't have to even say anything. Um, you just you just set the tone. And, and there very rarely have I had to uh, interrupt the line of conversation of a guest or of a co-host. And when I have, it's generally because they've been they're going in an overly negative direction, you know. And I I like to be. Um, you know, a positive atmosphere. It's never been language, but like, you know, uh, on the Linux show, uh, we like to poke fun at Apple and, and Microsoft and, and I'm all fine with that. But when you start saying things that aren't true, you know, or when you start just being overly mean, I'm going to interrupt that and I'm going to redirect because, you know, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta be honest in what you're saying. Otherwise you have no credibility. And because you're an Apple lover. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because if you ever buy a white iPad, you're branded for life. <laughs> oh, I'm doomed. I've I've already been doomed for that. Um and and yeah, I think uh I w- there's some some back channel chat going on there in the in the chat room. I think the key is to learn the art of the redirect. Um to learn how to to get people back on task without calling them down. Yes. That's a skill. That's a skill that can be learned. Right. I find that uh, I've got a, a chat that's twenty four seven at the bottom of every page of my website, so people are always talking in there, and uh, and occasionally someone will come on and and be very casual with their conversation and the way they are communicating. The chat that I have um, from Involve E N V O L V E has a built in filter, so if you say anything that is deemed to be inappropriate, certain words will be. Uh, asterisk out so you don't actually right. see what the words are i can see them on my management backside to see was that really in context what they were saying or were they saying that word in a way that's inappropriate but i just simply say hey can we keep it professional in here please keep the chat you know family friendly and professional because there's a lot of people coming to my site that can read that at the bottom uh, you see it on every page you don't have the option to uh turn it off before you actually have a chance to see it. And people are really good about redirecting themselves and going, okay, yes, I'm sorry, we will absolutely do that. And people that are in the chat a lot will tend to ask people to be that way before I have a chance to ask them myself. So that's rubbed off on everybody there. They know what what there is to expect there. And they know that if anyone gets out of line, that this isn't the particular chat for doing that kind of thing. That, that's actually a great point, James, as far as community goes. When you start setting the tone and setting rules and saying, this is how I'd like it to be, you start getting people that want to support you and will just carry that on. And as soon as you know somebody starts to go against it, you will have people just, it's like self-automating. You have people in your community be going, yeah, that's wrong. Don't do that. And if you have a good community, you're going to, the community itself will weed out the baddies. So it's, yeah. it, it is good to hold the line. But you also have to be careful of the uh, the person with with an over exaggerated sense of his own importance, uh, who will be calling people down yeah. excessively. You know, it, it, it's that's those are the hard ones to deal, deal with because they're doing the right thing; they're just doing too much of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's you know, there's a whole there's a whole field of study, not just a book, an entire field of study about managing people, you know, and, and when you get to that point, you really become a human resources director and you're, you're trying to uh, manage your human assets uh, in just the right way. Uh, And, you know, hopefully when you get that big, you have people who are better at it, who can focus on it. Uh, But in the end, uh, I think that you as the host or as the, the creator um, really are the, the, the the end all the starting point and the ending point 
it all comes back to you eventually. So you've got to be uh, um, consistent and and stand strong in whatever it is you believe. And it doesn't matter. Pick something and stand by it. Yes, I agree with that. Set, that's your policy. So adhere to your own policy. Uh, and then one of the things that I uh, always talk about, and you know, and something I often say I don't well do do well is what I call the puffer fish mentality. Look bigger than you are. Uh, that goes a part of setting the tone. Uh, you know, like like a puffer fish when when scared will blow his body up five and six times the actual size it is. There's no there's no substance to it. It's all air, or in his case, water. It's all it's all for show. But and what I what I mean with that is is you know have a good website. Have uh, you know uh, when you send out correspondence, have company letterhead. Uh, you know, have business cards, things like look like you're a big deal, uh, so that when somebody uh, checks you out, say you you you're you're at Ohio Linux Fest and you see some famous person and you want to do an interview with them, uh, when they check up. When they do a Google search on Steve Terabino or on Podnuts, they're going to find something that looks like an established organization that's been there a while, that's doing things right, and you're going to look more important than you are. So I think that uh, it's important to have um, uh, to learn the lesson of the pufferfish and to, to look bigger than you are and to look more impressive than you really are. And, and I say I'm bad at that because, you know, self-deprecating humor is sort of uh, a trademark of mine. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm constantly talking about how nobody ever listens to my show. And the fact is, a lot of people listen to my shows, but it bugs me uh, on a personal level. Uh, there are certain people who are just really good at this um, self-promotion. You know, and everything they do is amazing and wonderful and and great, and they're the they're the this and the best that, and and you know, I, I, from a marketing standpoint, I got to say that they're doing it better than I am. But from a personal standpoint, the BS meter just sometimes goes off the charts, <laughs> uh, and I would much rather uh, understate my own importance and let somebody else correct the record than the other way around. I kind of let people just kind of judge this on their own. And for example, I, I actually do the pufferfish too, Mark, big time with Podnuts. And, and I've, people have asked me, how many listeners do you have? How many people visit your site? I go, I can't tell you. You know, I would never tell out my, I would never ever give out my numbers, no matter, throughout the whole, like the Podnuts, except till recently. And um, people d- did believe that the network was much bigger than it actually was number wise, but I actually have no, there's no way to really gauge how far your reach is on the internet, like with complete accuracy. But in my mind, I, ha- I, I kind of liked the fact that people thought Podnuts was much bigger than it was. And it was by doing what you said, you know, have a great website, be professional and just act like your site is great. You know, just be great, act like it's great and um, get great guests on and, and different things. So you can do actions to really do, I guess you, if you want to call it the puffer fish, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Um, but yeah, I did that and it, it, it actually worked out well. I mean, people would, not only will people say, yes, um, you can interview me from Podnuts when you go to try to interview somebody, people are going to try to interview you because you run Podnuts or you're a co-host on Podnuts. So it actually, uh, it's great. It's, it's a great idea to just really maintain a great image and just keep it positive. I actually wanted to call my company Puffer, Pufferfish Productions, uh, but the URL pufferfishproductions.com was already taken. So uh, oh. I went with the play on words of Element OP, which nobody ever gets, but it's L-M-N-O-P, Element OP. It's a joke. Nobody gets it, but I laugh every time I say it. James, do you have any comment? 
there, there is a line there. Um, the, the first tagline for my company, Professor Messer, I'm kind of a big deal. That, that one didn't work out. You, you crossed <laughs> that line where that, that, well, we can't use that one. Um, <laughs> you do have, you do have rich mahogany in your background though. It's very important. I do. I, and, and you, well, you bring that up because I was going to mention that when you're doing video, people can see you. So they, they have immediately an idea of what's going on there. And so the background and, and what we call in, you know, it's, it's a room in my house. It is my office, uh, but we don't call it my office. It's my, it's the set. I am in the studio. And so the set that I have is one that I have put things in there so that there would be at least people would understand at least part of my room is clean first. And secondly, it's, it's something attractive to look at. You can see that, okay, that's a nice background. He's clearly in a place where he is presenting something in front of something nice uh, because they're going to see that over and over and over and they're going to be sick of it by the time they're through with this video series. So I, I think that's really important. Along the lines of all those other pieces, and Mark, you're right, it all comes down to marketing at that point. And, and we often think of marketing as uh, how many uh, customized in, in pencils and pens we need to buy so that we can hand them out to people with our logo on them. But, but it goes so much farther because you have, especially these days, the Twitter and the Google Plus and the Facebook, you got your social networking side of things. You've got the way your website looks when people visit it. You've got the interaction you have with people on third-party forums. I'm, I'm checking Reddit. I'm looking at other third-party forums and participating and in, in contributing, but not promoting. Um, uh, the only way they even know it's me is the, the name that it's in the forum is Professor Messer. I don't put my website name. I don't put anything else in there. Um, if I am uh, talking to somebody over email, it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but I'm very careful to make sure that they're getting the best experience possible because we've all been on the other side of things. And, and when it comes to trying to make yourself look bigger, it's remarkable how we have all done the same type of thing. We're able to communicate with people, interact with people, get answers to people better than some of the biggest companies in the world. I just, when I got my iPhone 5 this week, I went to the store to swap the number on the iPhone 5 to an iPhone 4. And the guy says, well, I don't know how to do that. And he handed me the phone with tech support on it. And I literally stood in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, um, uh, AT&T store for an hour and 25 minutes talking to somebody in technical support who ultimately did not fix my problem. I just got tired of standing there on the other side of the deck on the floor of the AT&T store thinking, how ridiculous is this AT&T who didn't do a very good job of this. So I'll mention AT&T not doing a good job of it on my podcast, but if this was something where if somebody sent us an email saying, I'm having a problem accessing my videos, I'm having a problem trying to gather something, I'm on it. I'm jumping on that thing and yeah. making sure that the problem is all resolved. I'm, if I don't hear back from them, I send them a note saying, did you, did you get this fixed? Because I want them to have the best experience possible for what they're doing. Why is it we can do this so well as individuals or small companies and the big companies can't? Um, and, and I don't, I don't spend too much time trying to answer that question. I just take into account that I can be that way. And immediately I am now more competitive than they are because of it. I don't want them to catch on.
with that. I don't want them to be more personally involved in the details because they're going to be better than I am. So in the meantime, I'm going to use that capability that I have to do an end around on all of them. They'll never know what hit them. And, and that's my objective with everything I do. When it touches somebody, they hear it, they smell it, they see it. I want it to be the best experience possible. So maybe the way, the true pufferfish way is to ignore people and give them bad service because then you really look big. Because then you're yeah. AT&T big if you treat <laughs> people bad. That's right. Like, like they would be thinking, these guys must be doing good if they just gave me that terrible service. That's right. If they can afford to ignore me, they must be awesome. <laughs> Don't try that at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have the card here from the guy in the AT&T store who didn't do a very good job. So later on, we'll, I'll just post that online. What can I call him? Let's call yeah. him right now. Let's, let's call him live on the air. That'll right. be awesome. Let's <laughs> I, I can do that. I've got I've got the phone tapped in. Uh, so uh, th- that's all that I had in my notes. Did you guys have any other thoughts on setting the tone? Uh, I will give one one last bit on the tone setting piece is that sometimes you don't have a, any control over this. Sometimes your natural personality and the way that you do things tends to make people think a certain way about you. And I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I thought that you thought a certain way about a particular topic. I thought you were different in the way that you handled certain things. I, I thought the way you thought about politics was different or the foods that you like to eat or that you... Uh, say bad words or don't say bad words or drink beer or don't drink beer. So occasionally the, the world that people think of you is not necessarily what you make. It's all in what they are seeing and what they're making up themselves. And sometimes you just can't control any of that. That's true. Yeah. And he touches on a good point. I would, I would also like to say this setting the tone kind of does work itself out on his own in most, on its own in most cases. The, the, you know, the, the way you act, your attitude, and the way you are will attract others who are like you. It's just the way it's going to happen most of the time. And the people that aren't like you and don't like what you have to say are going to fall off. So how you do your show and conduct yourself will kind of work itself out with your listeners and the people that like what you do are going to stay. And so you don't have to really worry about this too much, but you don't want to get too extreme in one way or the other, I think. Yeah, and, and let's just really quickly talk about numbers. And, and people, uh, it's one of the things that particularly newbie podcasters get all obsessed with their stats. They're, they're checking their stats every every half an hour. You know, they're looking at how many, how many people downloaded, how many subscribers do I have now? What does what is, what is my uh, feed burner stats say? What are my AW stats? What, what is it? <clears throat> let's say you've uh, been doing this five years and you have 100 people who listen to your show on a regular basis. Is that podcast a success or not? Well, the the may, uh, the way I like to look at that is if you could go to um, a hotel conference room every Wednesday morning, and there were a hundred people there waiting to listen to what you had to say, would you consider that a successful venture? And if those hundred people were people who enjoyed listening to what you had to say and whom you enjoyed interacting with. Would you stop doing that because 100 people isn't enough? I wouldn't. And But sometimes when we get into this digital realm, we think we have to have tens of thousands of people or it's just not a success. Uh, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, if you are impacting people, you're a success. End of sentence. Yeah. 
That makes sense. You know, but if you do start a show and you, you always want to have 10, I always wanted to have 10,000 subscribers and you have like 10 for a year and all you want, you want to get to 10,000 and you really want to get to 10,000, you have 10 every time. You just keep having 10, 10, 10 and you start to get really upset and you go, this is not why I started podcasting. Well, then, then you got to change things. But if you are happy with knowing that you're impacting people and you know the number of people you're impacting and you still enjoy doing what you're doing, then just keep doing it. But it, it all depends on the standards you're setting for yourself. But what Mark said is true. Most of the time when you're putting out a message and you are impacting people, your reach is much farther than you can even imagine. It really is because you're, you're starting this butterfly fly effect where you contact some one person, he contacts another person, word of mouth spreads a little bit, and you are impacting people, even if it is only 10. So just, just know that you're, you are doing that. But, you know, if you're trying to do a business on this and you're trying to, if it's not personal, if it's not, um, you know, a movement, if you're not trying to change the world, but you're trying to line your pocketbook, well, that's a whole different set of decisions you got to make. Uh, and, you know, that, that's part of setting the tone, too. Why am I doing this show? What is the goal? And, and, and I, you know, I've said it from the very beginning of this show. Um, the purpose of this show right here is to serve as an online resume for me so that later, down the line, I can point to this body of work because my goal in 10 years, 15 years, my second career, the, the career from which I want to retire is as a public speaker and as a coach in the, the um, venue of new media. I want to teach people how to do this. I want to inspire people with this. And in order to do that, uh, first, you have to have uh, an ability to communicate well. And secondly, you have to have a story to tell. This is the act of me building my story. And so if it takes five years, 10 years for me to do that, I'm fine with that. If I never see a penny off of this podcast, that's not how I'm defining success. I am creating a digital resume, an online body of work that people can point back to and say, you know what? This guy's paid his dues. He knows his stuff. He, we should listen to him. So that's what I'm trying to do with this show. So if we never have more than 10 listeners a week, it doesn't matter to me. It's not my goal for this show. Now, James, if he puts out a new um, uh, video and 10 people download it, that's a failure. <laughs> that's not a success. Uh, am I right in that one, James? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was looking at my chart beat stats. Oh, sorry. No, that you're absolutely right. Uh, you have to set a line somewhere of what's successful and what isn't. Sometimes you start off with um uh, there were there was a one time when i started this web thing that if i could just in a month get enough revenue to say i got twenty dollars out of the deal oh we got twenty dollars well if i in a month i hit a hundred dollars and, and you set these goals for yourself if in a month i could have enough revenue to bring in x amount of dollars then i think that's a success and so you're you're making these little jumps along the way and building it out as it goes and you'll be surprised how quickly that happens and I would like to say that the only reason I'm here is solely to boost Mark's resume. There you go. Right on. Yeah, These guys bolster, are here to bolster, to bolster Mark's resume. These guys are here for the, the thousands of dollars I pay them every week. <laughs> no, don't let them tell you otherwise. And uh, I'm way behind on my payments. Gold bullion. <laughs> Still waiting for that check. Yeah. Unmarked bearer bonds or, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, guys, this is the part of the show where we move on to the lessons you learned this week. And I learned sometimes Taco Bell is okay. 
no, I, I really don't have any particular uh, lesson I learned this week, but uh, more of a, um, I've just totally lost the word I was going to say, a reconfirmation, uh, you know, as, as we've been having this discussion. Yeah, this is why I do this. If I, if I forget, I can go back and I can plug up this, this episode, episode 25 of Art of Podcasting, and remember why I do what I do. And I think it's important every now and then to have those gut checks and maybe write those things down. So keep a ledger, uh, a diary or something somewhere that says, why do I do what I do? Because sometimes it's going to be really difficult and boring and drudgery. And when I'm, when I'm sitting on the couch for hours on end editing uh, audio files and uploading things, and it, this, that's not the fun part. So sometimes it's nice to have a gut check moment. And so that's what I learned this week, to, to drive a stake in the ground. And in, the, in biblical terms, they used to call it raising up an Ebenezer, build, build a monument and say, this is where I was. And at some point, I'm going to be able to look back and see, okay, I'm not here anymore. I'm not, I'm not there. That's where I was. This is where I am. So every now and then, raise up an Ebenezer and say, this is where I am now, so that later you can look at back and see that you're not there anymore. That's a good tip. I didn't mean to take you to church there. Sorry, I'll, I'll step down off of the podium. Uh, Steve, how about you? Did you have a lesson you learned this week? Yeah, I would like to say that um, when you're podcasting or doing whatever you want to do uh, in life or on your job or whatever, the most success I've had, I'm, I'm, I was just recounting this and looking at this a couple of days ago, the most success I've had is when I started going in a direction where I just really enjoy doing something. And the moment you, you don't enjoy it, anymore and you force yourself to do it, you're not going to have as much success. So whether if you apply this to podcasting and you really enjoy that, your podcast and what you're doing, keep doing it. And if, if somebody's trying to point you in a different direction or saying you shouldn't do things a certain way and you start listening to them and you're like, I really don't enjoy doing this anymore, um, shift back to what you m most enjoy. Because I just found that I've had the most success in, success in life and the most drive and the most persistence doing things that I want to do and, and I really enjoy. So uh, don't compromise your integrity on that. Do what you want. If you enjoy podcasting, keep doing it and, just, and keep driving your own vision in there and uh, you'll get where you want to go and you'll have a good time doing it. Excellent. And uh, James, how about you? What lesson did you learn this week? I learned that I could get my mobile devices working in spite of AT&T store. <laughs> I, I, um, I actually learned, um, as you recall, We've gone through a number of weeks now where I have reconfigured and redesigned my mixer. I've changed out the way that it works. I've now got a different audio interface, at least one different. I have three different audio interfaces in my office. So I changed one of those out. So I thought this is a great opportunity to take these cables that I have been using, which in some cases have like an adapter that's plugged, adapter that's plugged into another adapter that goes to a cable that I'm pretty sure was made from the thinnest amount of copper possible <laughs> to transmit electrons. It's and exactly one electron wide. <laughs> it must be what it is. So I thought, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to go buy new cables where I don't have adapters, where I'll have the cleanest possible signal. There are some cables I have that weren't balanced cables. Let me get some balanced cables. Let me really do it right. So I thought of this as I was driving around. I'll just stop by the guitar center and pick up some cables there. But I didn't actually write anything down. So my tip of the week is if you're going to connect up your mixer, which in my case has about 20 different cables plugged into it, you might want to write some things down so you don't end up bringing home cables that 
don't even plug into anything. The connector, why did I buy this? I don't even have these connectors on my mixer and on the device I'm trying to plug into. Um, so I now have to go back to Guitar Center and return that. I went one worse when I was cabling up my rig. I ordered a bunch of cables online with, with you know, it's not like I was there at the store or anything. No, I was sitting at my computer. I could have looked over to my right and seen exactly what I needed. But no, no, I thought, ah, I won't need more than three feet for this. And I get it in and, and it's I need to go eight feet with it. Uh, and then, well, I need this cable, right? No, no. it's I actually needed the female version of that. And I bought the male. So I spent $100 in cables and had to go back and spend $150 in adapters to make the $100 oh, in cables work uh so sometimes even having the stuff right in front of you doesn't keep you from being a dummy i feel you <laughs> yes uh okay this is the part of the show where you guys plug your stuff uh starting with you james go i love this part for all of your IT training needs, for your A-plus network, plus security, plus Microsoft, and even Linux videos, you can visit ProfessorMesser.com. Steve, how about yourself? If you want more information on how to podcast, you want to watch some videos from a video series I did last year, head on over to YouTube. Uh, the YouTube channel is How to Podcast Biz. I named it that because my site is HowToPodcast.biz. You can go to either place, but if you want to watch the free videos... These are the identical videos that are in the connection on the website. Uh, check out the YouTube channel, How to Podcast Biz. Watch away. Watch them as many times as you want, a million times. That actually would help my, my numbers. And um, hopefully these videos will help you out uh, answering some of your podcasting questions. Excellent. And if you want to uh, peruse my online resume, the place to do that is at elementop.com. Say it really fast, elementop. It's the middle part of the alphabet. It's supposed to be funny. Trust me on that one. It is. So elementop.com. That's where all my stuff is. Check it out. And uh, really the best way you can help me out. People ask this all the time. Short of sending me money, you can do that. And I will certainly thank you for it. In fact, I try to, uh, every time somebody uh, makes a, a contribution through PayPal, I try to send them a personal thank you because I, I truly uh, am uh, thankful for it. But short of doing that, just subscribe on on whatever devices you have. Subscribe to my feeds and listen to them. And that's how you can help. So I'm told. I haven't quite figured out a way to turn that into money yet, but I'm told that's the secret. So uh, if you like it, and I know you do, subscribe to it and tell other people about it so that they will like it. That's step two. That's always the kicker. Right. The telling other people about it. The part where something happens magically in the oh, middle. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the good stuff happens here. Money comes over here. <laughs> it's just drawing that line in between the two. Then a miracle hump happens and money falls from the sky. Uh, no, but seriously, like I said, I have a very long-term goal for this. Uh, I would love to be able to support my, support my family on this. I would love it if you guys all got together and contributed $100,000 a year so that I could quit my job. And, and by the way, by the time I paid all the onerous U.S. taxes on 100000 a year, that'd actually be a pay cut for what I'm making now. But let's just say that uh, that happened. Uh, you know, I could quit my job. I could podcast full-time. I could really uh, spend a lot of time driving great content and bringing in uh, great people and, and really making awesome things happen. And I would love for that to happen. But it's not, I don't gonna, I'm not going to consider it a failure if it doesn't. If you enjoy it, if you listen to it, that's good enough. 
So elementop.com, that's where you can do that. I've got uh, five active shows right now, two archived shows, uh, and um, archived meaning they're dead but still out there. So uh, check those out, tell me what you think, and we'll go from there. Any other final comments, guys, before we say goodnight? See you later. Well, thank you guys for, for being consummate professionals and for spending your time with us. Thank you for listening. And for now, that ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting. Thank you.